It's the morning show that no one knows and no one is talking about. I said no one is talking about, but if they did, they'd probably say it's the best way to start today with Rach and Dave. Uh, we're talking this week in the next 90-day challenge about resilience. Resilience, this ability to get back up fast, to keep on going, to push through and continue to pursue your goals, even though there is resistance, maybe because of the adversity that exists. And we're going to keep talking about it today. Uh, oh, I got some thumbs up on Facebook. Thank goodness I can be heard there. Goodness gracious. Where's Rachel? She's writing a book. Her book is due on Friday. Today is Tuesday. That means she has Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday to finish writing this book. And as a good partner to my lady, I've said, you know what? I got this. I will let down these strangers from the internet. I will disappoint them by being the only person on this darn morning show. I will do my best, Rachel, to try and encourage these people in a conversation about resilience without you. And here we are. Here we are. Uh, so yeah, wait, uh, wait not terribly long for her book to come out. It is going to be amazing. Uh, but I want to talk about resilience because we are talking about resilience. If you have not already joined the next 90 day challenge, what are you even doing with your life? Come on down. It's completely free. I, uh, would encourage you if you are a part of it to jump into the learning portal where Rachel has put yet another coaching on the topic, Oh, resilience. And uh, it is fantastic. Uh, there also today is an amazing Rise podcast, also zero dollars and zero cents, that you can listen to where Rachel is talking today about the importance of having a plan, having a, a goal, making sure that you are casting a vision for how 2020 is going to come together. Because as much as there are circumstances for all of us, obviously, that have completely pulled the rug out from under what we were thinking we might be doing in the midst of this year, you still need to have a plan because having something that you can focus on will fundamentally change the way that you are able to connect to something that's bigger than you and the circumstances of this quarantine of everything. So please uh, consider listening to the Rise podcast. I want to talk about resilience though because resilience is the topic of this next 90 week. And resilience is this thing that, as we talked about yesterday, as Rachel talks about in the coaching, is something that we're gonna have to tap into in the midst of these upside, upside down times, even though it maybe is harder for us to do it now than it was at the beginning of this quarantine. Because man, the winds are blowing even harder. There is even more reason for us to give ourselves the excuse to not necessarily have to continue to get back up to keep on going and yet here we are we still need to it is as important as it was previously maybe more important now you got to keep getting up and on the days where you are struggling to feel the impulse to be resilient i will argue that maybe you need to find someone that you respect someone that you look up to, someone that you look to as a mentor or a model who has embodied resilience. And in seeing their model and why you respect how they've shown up well for themselves and their community, maybe have some of it uh, transferred to you. 
Now, I'm not going to talk about myself because that would be ridiculous. But I will gladly guard your gag reflex, brag about my wife, and the way that Rachel Hollis has, for me, embodied resilience in a way that makes me think differently about how resilience is a thing that I can also embody. And if you are sitting here watching this, there is a chance that at some point in her life, she also, in having been a model and having been a teacher and having been someone that you've looked up to, has had in her story of resilience, a thing that you maybe can have transferred from her to you by associating that quality of her as a thing that you respect or that you, that you think is an important part of the mosaic that makes up who she is. And now maybe you can say, you know what? I respect her for that. I'm gonna, try, I'm gonna go ahead and just like put that on myself, right? As I've been able to be this partner to her for this almost now 16 years of us being married, if there was a single characteristic that I could say, man, there is something about this woman. Can I put my finger on it? I will put my finger on this. Her resilience, her willingness to just get back up and get back up and get back up, regardless of what headwinds were put in front of her, is one of the things I respect most about her, my wife. And, and if you think about like the, the way that she has built her business, the way that she has built her writing career, the way that she has built her speaking, the way that she has built almost anything, almost every single time, it comes back to her decision in the face of adversity, in the face of other people of authority, sometimes me, telling her that she shouldn't dream as big as she has, that she can't maybe do the things that she wants to do, that it's not something that is possible for her, that she has decided to get back up and keep on going, even though there was plenty of excuse and plenty of reason why she could have just tapped out and said, you know what, I'm fine, I'll pass. At the beginning of her writing career, I think you know this, right? She wrote this book. She thought, hey, you know what, I'm gonna write this book. I'm gonna try and get this book published. She took this book, Party Girl, out to the publishing world. And there were 16 different publishers who received this book. And of them, there were a handful, five or so, that said, you know what, let's have a conversation about this book. And in that conversation, they told her that this book would only be good if she was willing to change fundamentally what this book was about. It was during the uh, Fifty Shades of Grey kind of time, and these publishers were only interested in publishing a book that might incorporate uh, something that got a little racier, that got a little more intimate, that uh, described things with some graphicness. And that wasn't a thing that she was interested in. That felt like it was a total departure because in part, Party Girl is a story of her. And so the idea that she would have to inject something that was not her became an inauthentic thing. And she said, you know what? I can't do it. And so the experts inside of this field she was walking into represented that if she was interested in having a book that would work, she'd have to fundamentally change that book. And she said, you know what? I'm a pass. Thank you very much. And her resilience kicked in. And her resilience kicked in and she said, how can I self-publish this book? And so she decides to self-publish this book in the form that she originally wrote it in. And it, in being self-published, starts to make some traction. The traction attracts some other people. The other people, publishers, now ask, can you make a series? And one book becomes three. Right? And if she had listened, because she could have very easily listened to all of the people 
who were telling her, you can't have this work unless you change it. If she had listened to them, that book would still be sitting on her computer. That book would never have been published. That book wouldn't have ever become something that became three books. It wouldn't have given way to cookbooks. It wouldn't have given way to a nonfiction book and Girl, Wash Your Face and every other thing that's come after it, right? She got resilient in the face of other people who were experts in their, in their field telling her what she could or couldn't be and decided, you know what? I'm gonna get back up. I am gonna get back up. When you think about her speaking on stages today, right? One of the proudest things that I get to do as a human is stand on the side of a stage and watch my wife do what she was placed on this planet to do, standing in front of thousands of people, pouring in to them. And the idea that she is as effective at doing this thing that she was put on this planet to do happened like that is ridiculous. It did not happen like that. It happened because of a willingness over 15 years worth of time to stand on stages where she was not good and be resilient through sucking until she was able to establish a confidence and an ability to deliver a message on a stage. When she had this opportunity, I talked about this on Rise Live, when she had this opportunity not long ago to stand on the stage with Oprah Winfrey, a dream of hers that she wrote in this notebook for years and years and years, there was this celebration of her having accomplished this goal and this ability for her to now stand on the stage of her idol. And I, yep, want to celebrate. I want to celebrate the fact that she was standing on that stage. But that weekend, I did not celebrate her standing on the stage as much as I was honoring the 15 years of time where she had to, with resilience, step onto stages where nobody showed up in front of a mops group, in front of an assisted living home, at a book signing where nobody came. She just kept showing up. And the reason why they didn't show up then was that she wasn't good enough then to have the audience. She wasn't good enough then to get the invitation to come and stand on that stage. But her willingness again and again and again to put herself on those stages with the shaky hands holding the note cards, stumbling over words, not getting it perfect, allowed her to slowly become a master at this craft because of her willingness through resilience to keep showing up, right? There, there are times where my best interest in loving her actually showed up as me trying to keep her from being totally who she is because of my worry that she could handle the audacity of her dreams, right? Some of you, resilience is going to look like finding the confidence to stand back up to the people that you love or crave love from most who don't believe in you the way that you believe in yourself. I'm going to read a little out of a book. I wrote this book. It's called Get Out of Your Own Way. I love this book. I'm so biased, but I think you should buy this book immediately. But I want to tell this, tell you, read, read you this story real quick because some of you inevitably are going to need to tap into your resilience with your partner, with your mother-in-law, with your whatever it might be, right? If you're joining late, where's Rachel? Rachel is writing a book today. She is writing a book this week. I am substituting for Rachel. I am a substitute teacher who yell talks with a haircut that I've given myself. I am going to read to you a little bit out of my book called Get Out of Your Own Way. 
As we've built our careers, I think of myself, and I think she'd agree, as Rachel's number one cheerleader. I'm just wildly, massively, ridiculously proud of the work that she's done and continues to do. But I am also the practical, pragmatic person who has historically been more grounded, not wanting to let too much of a dream, too big of a dream, too audacious of a dream get a hold of her. That way, if she ended up not being able to attain that dream for whatever reason, she would find herself, she wouldn't find herself disappointed. See the finale of our documentary, Rachel Hollis Presents Made for More on Amazon. I, in that sidebar, tried to talk her out of a, a finale. She had this vision for a finale. She got her way. The finale is one of the best parts of the entire event. I, I continue. I am an expectations manager. It's in my DNA. When we'd had our two oldest kids, Rachel's momentum with her business really started growing. Even some 10 years ago, she already had a clear vision for where this all was going. But me? I thought it was neat to have this daring sense of what was possible for the future, but I truly thought my role was to be a supportive listener and, of course, to cheer for her, but just not too much. My job was to temper some of what she thought was possible so she wouldn't be disappointed if it didn't come together. I promise it came from a place of love. I really truly believe that what she needed most from me was the practical person in our relationship. I was a pragmatist. If I could, I'd try to convince my younger self that there's a version of this that still stays true to its valuable pragmatic roots, but that comes alongside and believes in the dreams of the dreamer without minimizing it, without trying to manage expectations around it. All right, you may have heard this story before, but I'm telling you, if you relate in any way, listen to the words of this story. One time when Rachel told me about a very ambitious dream of taking her career to the next level, I thought, you're crazy. And my job in this season is to keep you from thinking you can actually do this because I love you so much and I want to protect you from disappointment. What I actually said to her was, come on, babe, there's like a million to one chance of that happening. She was incredulous. She said, a million to one chance? They've already asked for follow-up meetings. Okay, that was true. I had to give it to her, at the very least, to get her, the look off her face. Okay, then, maybe not a million to one, but like a 3% chance that this will actually happen. Yep, that did not sit well with her. It came from a place of love. It was received in a way that contradicted my intent. What I was saying was, I don't want you to be disappointed. But in part, what I was also saying was, I don't believe you can do this. In fact, I gave her a 97% chance that she wouldn't do this. When I sit and really think about it, what I really was also saying was, I don't think you're strong enough to deal with the consequences of trying but not achieving your dream, which makes me want to cry a little bit. What a brutal realization. My attempt to play my role well and keep my wife from being disappointed, signaled over and over again that I either didn't think she was capable or didn't think she was strong enough to deal with adversity. Rachel knew what she was doing. She knew this vision she had. I assumed the role of trying to keep her from getting ahead of herself, from getting excited and then being let down. I was misguided. About six months later, I came home from work to find a box on the table. What is this? I asked. It's a gift that you got me, she said. Oh my goodness, 
I'm so glad I got it for you. What did I get you? <laughs> I handed her the box and she opened it. And inside was a little charm on a bracelet. That little charm had 3% stamped on it. That thing I told her that she wasn't going to do, the one I told her there was a 3% chance of her doing, she'd gotten confirmation that day that the network that she wanted to sign a contract with had sent over the contract. She was going to be the host of a nationally syndicated cable television program. She would do the thing that I'd given her next to no chance of achieving. Quote, I got this as a reminder that even my best friend and biggest supporter occasionally only gives me a 3% chance of accomplishing my dreams. And I can't let that, I can't let that keep me from trying. If I listened to you, I wouldn't have kept trying. She wore that bracelet on her, on her wrist every single day for years as she built our company. So, I, her best friend, I, her biggest supporter, I, a person who loves her more than anything, tried my best to, in representing my love, keep her from being exposed and having some kind of disappointment in some way show up. And as I say in the book, right, that's a masterclass in passive aggression, but it's also a masterclass in tenacity, right? She decided, despite the headwinds, of someone that she loves and craves love from, that she was going to push herself to do a thing that she believed she could do even if I didn't believe it. And if there is somebody in your life right now who is questioning your ability to make it through this time, to pivot in your work, to lead your family well, to fill in the blank, right? Whatever your vision or dream is for 2020, then you are gonna to have to choose tenacity. You are gonna to have to choose to get back up. You're gonna to have to choose to keep on going, even in the headwind, even in the face of this person, this societal construct, this mother-in-law, this, this person in your small group questioning your ability to do it, right? When it came to writing her book, it was the authority of people in traditional publishing who had forever and ever and ever done work, and their expertise told her she had to change her work to make it fit their world. And she said, no, I'm going to go do my thing because I believe in what I'm doing. And through tenacity, I am going to make this into something. When it came to speaking, she standing on stage, having conversations, hands shaking with note cards, decided that she was willing to put in the time through tenacity to continue to get back up even when she made mistakes, even as she failed because it was in the decision to show up over and over and over again, tenacity driving this decision even while she wasn't great at it to become great, that was the price of entry. In the face of me, her best friend and partner, the one who loves her the most and wants so much for her in this life, her best cheerleader, that I, in any way, could put a limit on how big she could dream or how likely it was that she could pull something off, she was going to have to tap into the tenacity that got her all the way through to continue to help her get through, right? You are going to have to choose it no matter what the conditions are. And the conditions right now, whoo, headwinds. We are in the midst, of oh, headwinds, and you're going to have to decide to tap into your tenacity 
every single day. Uh, people are asking, this book is called Get Out of Your Own Way, A Skeptic's Guide to Growth and Fulfillment. I wrote this book long before there was a quarantine. I think it is more practical and applicable in this quarantine. I think you should buy it today, period. Uh, but uh, regardless, you are gonna have to 100% choose to tap into your tenacity every single day, even on the days that you don't feel like it, because that is the thing that is going to get you through these times, regardless, regardless of what the conditions of this world, of this environment end up being. We made it through Tuesday. We made it through a little Tuesday yell talking with me, this human that now can grow a beard, cuts his own hair, and sits in for Ray Ray Hollis on a day where she's writing a book. Uh, what's Rachel's next book? I'm going to let Rachel tell you about Rachel's next book. Uh, it's going to come way sooner than you might expect. She's turning it in uh, on Friday. It's going to be out uh, later this year. I'm very, very excited. How do you get involved in the next 90-day challenge? You go over to thehollisco.com forward slash next nine zero. It is 100% free, 14 weeks of us coming together in community to encourage each other, hang out, and try and make our way through this, not just survive this quarantine, but thrive through it. I am excited uh, for the way everyone has been active in this community, and uh, please, if you're interested at all, roll on in. We've got some great stuff coming for the rest of this time as well. We're about halfway through. All right, y'all, have yourself a fantastic Tuesday. If you have not yet, listen to the Rise podcast today. It's completely free, but uh, again, it's Rachel encouraging you to set a goal, to set a vision for how the rest of this year will show up for you. I... Without Rachel, we'll see you tomorrow for some more Yell Talking on resilience. Have yourself a fantastic day. Hey guys, thank you for listening to the Start Today Morning Show podcast. If you want to actually see the episodes, make sure you tune in in the morning every weekday, 8 a.m. Central on Facebook and Instagram on basically every channel we have. Our theme song is from Sarah Sunshine. Follow her at the Sarah Sunshine. Our executive producer is Cameron Berkman. The show is produced by Chelsea Harfouche and Kevin Westlake. With production help from Nicole Fisher. And I'd like to give special thanks to Hawk, the fish that will never die.